Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. We started a new series uh, last week and called Reset, and so today we're, we're going to continue in that series. So one thing I, I know, I think I know this about every single one of you, at some point in your life you played hide and seek. Okay, good. Not still playing hide and seek, but you, you, played, you played hide and seek. So I, I have, um, Tracy and I have three sets of kids, so to speak. We've got our first three, the older ones, uh, Jacob, Cameron, and Trevor. You know, they sort of grew up together. Then we have Nathan, who's, who's 15, and, you know, there's nobody close in his age. And then we have Cage and Trenton. And so, and Cage and Trenton, you know, Cage will be nine this week and Trenton six. And so we used to play hide and seek with uh, Jacob, Cameron, and, and Trevor, and it was stealth. I mean, it was, I mean, listen, if they could hide for days and not be found, that was, that was considered victory, you know? And so you just didn't, I mean, when they went into hiding, you didn't, you, it was hard to find them. Nathan, about the same way, was well, different with Cage and Trenton. So I don't know, uh, so if you don't know Cage and Trenton, Cage is nine, he'll be nine this week. He has autism and some developmental delays. And so he's about like a three-year-old in some ways, he's about like a 30-year-old in other ways, but he's like a three-year-old in some ways. And then Trenton is in a wheelchair and so, and he's nonverbal, but yet he'll let you know when he's excited or mad, okay? It's different playing with them, okay? So I'll just sort of tell you a little bit how, how it goes. Um, don't step on the iPad, Scott. All right, so here's, what, here's how it goes with Cage and Trenton. Cage is going to hide his eyes, and he's going to count to 10. But this is how he does it. One, two, three, four, five, six, and he's chasing us. So he, he's following where we're going. So as soon as that happens, since Trenton's in the wheelchair, it's on like Donkey Kong. So I'm running down the hallway as fast as we can, which is probably not safe. All right, because I know Cage is going to come busting out his door, still counting to 10, uh, looking to see where we're going. So we're just dodging and, and swerving and, and doing that. And so if you've never hit a kid in a wheelchair, there's not a lot of options. You're not getting under the table. You're not getting under the bed. You're not going to hide behind the curtain. And so we're hiding in bathrooms. We're hiding in uh, the laundry room. We're hiding in walk-in closets. And we're hiding in the pantry. It's always one of those four places. But here's how it goes. As soon as Trenton hears Cage getting close, he starts shrilling. He's so excited. And I'm like, no, oh, shh, shh, shh. Because in my mind, it's about beating the nine-year-old, you know? And, but he's like, he's shrilling. He's so excited to, that Cage is getting close. And you know what? Cage is no different. I can always know when we're getting close to Cage. You know why? He just gets so stinking excited. They... It's all about fun for them, which is so messed up, you know? It's not about winning. But, you know, hiding is, is, is part of our human nature. You know, 
Have you ever wondered why we, why we hide? I'm not talking about a game. Games are fun. But the reason we hide is a lot of times we're afraid. We're afraid of being known or being found out or we hate what we did. Or maybe we've been accused. Or maybe we're ashamed. I mean, those, those are the main reasons we, we, we hide. We're afraid or we're accused or, or, or we're ashamed. And you know what? Hiding has, has been part of human nature since the beginning. And so we're going to go back to, to Genesis this morning. We're going to look at Adam and Eve. And so you got Genesis 1 and 2. And listen, in Genesis 1 and 2, everything is perfect. I mean, everything, it, it is paradise. I mean, it is everything they could want. Perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with creation. It is perfect. And, and listen to how Genesis chapter 2 ends in verse 25. It says, now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. It's perfection. There had been no evil thought. There had been no evil deed. There had been no act of selfishness. There, there had been no pride. There had been nothing. And there was no shame. No shame. Well, then we turn the page, and chapter 3 hits. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now, if you get into the New Testament, you'll know that Paul and John identify the serpent as Satan. And somewhere between the end of chapter 1 historically and, and the beginning of chapter 3, according to Ezekiel and Isaiah, Satan was an angel that got cast out of heaven and he became the enemy of all creation and he became the enemy of God and he became the enemy of humankind. It says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say... You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Satan wants Eve to question God's intentions for her and for Adam. Here's the truth. Satan loves to tempt us to question God's goodness. I would venture to say that's probably the most common temptation, but we don't think about that as the most common temptation. When I was in high school, uh, there were a group of girls in our lunchroom. They all sat together um, during fir uh, first lunch, and they, were, they all sat there. And I remember this about them. They were known for their reputations being Christians. I, and I'll, I'll never forget, they always would say the blessing at their table. And I would see guys that would make fun of them. I would see guys, you know, I, I never saw girls, but I would see other guys just laugh at the fact, did y'all just pray? And they would make fun of them. But I'm going to tell you something, it made a huge impact. Now, I was a good person, but I wasn't a Christ follower in high school. But they planted a seed in me of what it looked like. And I really attribute my, my walking in Christ to their example. Not just them, but I really attribute it to them. And I knew these girls. I went to church with some of these girls. Well, I'll never forget, you know, you graduate high school, you go off in different directions. And so I see 
my pastor and um, this girl was in our youth group, this particular girl. And I said, hey, how's she doing? He said, you know what? Let me tell you what happened. She went off to college and she got part of a program there at college and she got to travel the world. And she saw a lot of suffering in the world. And she told me that she doesn't believe that God is good and that she can't follow him. Now, let me tell you what she didn't say. She didn't say she didn't believe in God. What she said is, I don't believe God is good. And so I, I just can't trust him and I, and I can't follow him. How many times has something happened in our life and we've been tempted to think, man, if God was good, he would not have allowed this. I think it's the most common temptation. And I think this too is probably the most destructive sin. Because if here's the truth. If God's not good, then I don't have to listen to him. And I don't have to follow him. That's, that's where we go. Well, if we get back to that scripture, here's what Satan says also to Eve. You're not going to die. You're going to be like God. Now, now notice this. This is part lie and this is part truth, which makes a lie even more powerful. You will not die. That's a straight out lie. But he says this, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. It's true in a way. Now, here's what Eve has already forgotten. She's already like God. I mean, she, in the sense that she was made in his image. She and Adam both were, were made in his likeness. But she wanted more. She just didn't want to know what God knew. She wanted to be like God in every way. She wanted to be God more than she wanted to, to know God. Now, nobody's going to come out and say that. But can I, can I be honest with you at times? There's times I want to be God rather than know God. And there's Many times I act like God of my life rather than knowing the God of my life. And where does that come from? It comes from pride. Man, pride is, is really the, the root of, of, of all sin. It's the root of all sin. We, we deserve better or we know better than God. Why did she cave? Why, why do we sin? Why do we fall for this? I mean, everybody in this room is falling for this. Why, why do we do it? Now, some of the, some of the older, uh, uh, some of the, I mean, I didn't mean older. I mean, wiser people in the room is what I meant to say. You probably remember this comedian. I think I shared this with you a while back. There was this comedian back in the 70s called Flip Wilson, and he had this huge comedy routine. And this, he had an album, and that name of the album was called The Devil Made Me Do It. Anybody remember that? Just just me, one of the wiser people. You didn't even want to raise your hand. <laughs> so, yeah. I, and so his punchline throughout the whole album, when he would talk about a story, some mess he got caught up into, would be, well, that made me do it. Satan does not make Eve, and Satan does not make us do anything. Satan simply offers to us, Satan simply offered to Eve what she already wanted. Here's what we all know to be true. Sin makes promises that it cannot keep. 
Man, if you do this, it'll be happy. If you do this, life will be better. If you, if you go with this person uh, rather than this person, or if you, if you take this, or if you, if you lie about this, all things will be good. And all it does is make us afraid or accused or ashamed. Sin has never made life better. Did it make life fun? Sure. Did it make, did, was it happy for a moment? Yes. But sin always leads to being afraid or accused or ashamed. Doesn't lead to freedom. Genesis 3, 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. See, up to this point, we've not heard of Adam. And here's Adam, aware of all this. Same word, the word given to him, and he's not saying anything about it. Who was with her and he ate it too. She saw, ate it, she gave, he ate. How is it that Eve could see that fruit? She was near it. In the entire garden of Eden, somehow or another, she got close enough to that tree that Satan was able to tempt her, and she could see the fruit. Adam and Eve both could see the fruit. They were near it. The one thing, they were, the only thing they were forbidden to touch, they were near and how many times have you and I given into temptation because we were somewhere we didn't need to be? We, we just got too close to that which God says is forbidden. It doesn't say that Satan went and found Eve and took her to it. Man, she was already, Adam and Eve were already close to it. And both of them did the one thing that God told them not to do. There weren't 10 commandments. There weren't 600 and something commandments that the later the, the, the priests and the Levites all created. They had one commandment. Don't touch this fruit. And they did it simply because a liar convinced them that God wasn't good enough. Genesis 3, 7 and 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing... The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Listen to this picture. Think about the serenity of this. Think about the, the beauty of the relationship that they once had with God. In the cool of the evening, breezes were blowing. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. At their moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. In a perfect place, had a perfect relationship with God, and now they're hiding from Him. I always knew when I first became a Christian well, my pastor always knew when I first became a Christian when I had sinned. 
because I avoided him. I hid from him. You know, I wasn't honest with God, and I wasn't going to be honest with my pastor, and I wasn't going to be honest with my Christian friends. Sin makes us hide. And here we had perfection, and we had innocence, and, and now they're replaced with guilt and, and with shame. See, they ate so that they would know everything God knows and be powerful like him. Yet the first thing they knew was their shame. It doesn't say they knew everything that God knew. First thing they knew was their shame. They did what every human being has done since then. They hid from the presence of the Lord. See, apart from the redeeming work of God, sin is who we are. Sin is all we know and, and separation is, is, is where we live. Uh, apart from the redeeming work of God, sin is all we know, sin is who we are, and separation is where we live. Because sin leads to shame, and shame leads to separation. See, they were ashamed because the perfect God-given identity they've been created with was now tainted. They acted outside of love. They acted outside of the relationship with God. They were guilty, and they were broken, and they were ashamed. And so like every single one of us, they hid. They hid. The difference between guilt and shame is this. Guilt says, I have done wrong, and I know it. Shame says, I, have, I am what I have done. Shame says, I am wrong. I am a liar. I am an adulterer. I am these things. Guilt says, I've done wrong. Shame says, I have done, I am what I have done. Verse 8 and 10 through 10. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know what? God hasn't changed. He is still the kind and, and good God who comes to speak and, and spend time with Adam and with Eve. And He isn't coming in a rage and He isn't coming in wrath. He's coming in love because that's who He is. And He calls to them. Where are you? He calls to them. Where are you, Adam and, and Eve? Now think about this. He's God. He knows all things. He knows exactly where they are. He's not calling to them because he can't find them, and, he, and, and he's clueless about their whereabouts. He's calling to them because he knows exactly where they are. He's calling to them because he knows they're hiding from him. And he wants them to come out of hiding. Now, like all of us have played hide and seek at one time, probably all of us have played peekaboo at some point. Now, you know peekaboo when you cover up your face and you go peekaboo. Now, we don't do that to each other as adults, right? If an adult did that to you, you're probably going to call 911 or a medical professional or something. 
There's a reason we only do that with children. It's called object permanence. It's the reason we only really do it with babies. Because a baby believes that if they can't see you, then you're not there. That you've disappeared, and all of a sudden you open up your hands and peek, but you're back. But what they learn is object permanence, that, that just because they can't see you, that object or that person is not gone, it's still there. And so they learn that around eight or nine months. That's why your two-year-old or your 16-year-old doesn't think it's funny anymore. And so we've all learned object permanence at that point. But what you and I need to learn and to remember is something called God permanence. It's the ability to know that um, just because God, that God doesn't change, and maybe we can't see Him, He's still there, and He's still good, and He doesn't disappear when you and I hide ourselves from Him. When you and I won't open up the Word because we feel ashamed. When you and I won't meet in Christian community because we're feel accused. God doesn't disappear when we hide ourselves from Him. See, God came walking through the garden just as He always did. And He came to speak to them just as He always did. And it was Adam and Eve who had changed. It wasn't God who had changed. God stayed the same. He, he sought them out and He called them out of hiding. Now let's talk about the rest of chapter 20 real quick. So God sees what has happened, and then he curses the snake, and now you'll, you'll crawl on the belly. Uh, now women have to ha go through the pain of childbearing. It makes me wonder what would it have looked like before then. I guess it's just painless. And now Adam's got to work the ground to, for it to produce its fruit. But then it says in Genesis 3.21, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. See, God had already promised that they would surely die if they ate this fruit. So they must have believed, Adam and Eve must have believed, since they ate the fruit, God was going to kill them. But God not only did not shame them, He sought them. He not only did not condemn them, but He called them. And He did not only not reject them, but He redeemed them. See, God didn't let them stay in their shame. He gave them clothes from an animal skin. Now, to redeem them with clothes from an animal skin, listen, there had to be a sacrifice. And now what has happened? They went from shame and separation from Him and from one another back into relationship with Him. But what has to happen with an animal Clothes for them, there had to be a sacrifice. And an animal had to die. See, even from the beginning, God's making it clear, a sacrifice of death must be made to cover the shame. And He's willing to make the sacrifice. Adam and Eve didn't make the sacrifice. Adam and Eve didn't go and get the animal. God made the sacrifice. In order for there to something to be redeemed, something that is innocent has to be killed in order to redeem those who are not. Romans 5, 17 through 19 says this. 
For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous, and that is you and I, and that is the church. And just as God clothed Adam and Eve with the skin of animal sacrifice, he now clothes all those who trust in Jesus with righteousness because of his sacrifice. Now, no matter our age, we, we still play hide and seek. When we sin, we hide from God. When we sin in our shame, I want to tell you something. Jesus is God's ultimate seek. Jesus is the one running down the hallway. Jesus is the one that is seeking for us when we're hiding. And here's what he's calling out. Where are you? He's calling out to every single one of us. Where, where are you? If we're, if we're hiding and we're, we're distant from God, he's calling out, where, where are you? Not because he doesn't know, but because he does know. He says to each and every single one, come out and come to me. Now, what does that look like? How do, I, how do I come out of hiding if I feel like I've been distant from God and I've been avoiding God and I've been hiding from God? What does that look like? You know what? Confess that you have sinned. Man, just confess that you've sinned. And you know what? And, and, and maybe confess this, definitely confess a specific sin to God. Repent, walk away from it, put it down, leave it alone, and get back into relationship with God who has come, who has died to, to cover your shame and stop hiding. And stop hiding and be reconciled to God and come back. To the Father. He is still calling out. Where are you? In just a second, um, the band's going to play a song. And I, I really want this song to be a song that ministers to you, not one that you feel like you have to sing to. If you want to sing to it, that's fine. But I want you to make where you are just a, an altar, just, just to where you can bow your heads and maybe say, God, I'm, I'm coming out of hiding. And God, I, I confess this sin. And I'm coming back to you. So let's just go to the Lord. Father God, I, we come to you now. God, you have perfected us. And yet, Lord, at the same time, we are being made perfect. Father, we know when Christ looks at us because of his sacrifice that we are righteous. But God, yet we have this old nature where we sin. And Father, we know shame and we know being afraid, and we know being accused, and we know, God, that you don't change, but sometimes we do, and we distance ourselves from you, and we hide. So, Father, now we pray this. God, we come to you as your people dearly loved because you don't change. And, Lord, I pray, God, and I know you'll hear the prayers of your people. And I pray your spirit would now convict of sin and righteousness, and it will result in us coming back to you.
Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.